0: Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip.
1: Vegas, baby.
0: With
2: your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN.
0: Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild.
1: Welcome to a sports betting podcast from Pregame.com for the week of October 1st, 2009. I'm your host, RJ Bell. I'm joined by Vegas Runner, a genuine professional better here in Vegas, and Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business. This is segment one of five, and the subject is NFL parity. What does it mean for the handicapper? All right, Marco, it seems like a lot of parity, a lot of good teams seemingly are losing, a lot of bad teams seemingly are winning. What does it mean to the handicapper?
2: Well, from a handicapping standpoint, you got to try to stay ahead of the curve. The odds makers here in Vegas set these numbers, but I found over the years that they're slower to react to teams that were expected to be good whenever they start out bad. They're slow to adjust their numbers. All right, so
1: let's think about that. If a team is expected to be good but starts out bad, so Tennessee. would fall into that category. 0-3 right now. Last year they had the most wins in football. Absolutely. So that's a situation you're saying that there just
2: seems to be a continued belief that this is a good team. You saw it last week when the line continued you know, and I lost the free pick last week on uh, Tennessee. You know, I did fall into the trap with that game. Tennessee, the line continued to come down. The public still did not believe in the Jets who are the upstart team and they're still believing in Tennessee from last year. There's two other teams, if you think about it, um, that are won their divisions last year. They haven't won a game yet this year. And that's Carolina and Miami. Now, Miami obviously has more problems with Chad Pennington gone for the season. But Carolina's another team that was expected to win their division again, and they haven't even won a game yet. All right, so let's make sure, and, and we'll go to Vegas Schrenner
1: here, that we need to avoid the water cooler type talk. All right, there's some teams that we're supposed to do well right. that aren't. All right, we got it, and you get that on Colin Coward and Mike and Mike.
0: For the batter, what's it mean? I think that by now, after being seen three weeks, you could believe what you've seen and not necessarily believe what the odds makers are putting out. And I think the public's done a good job of that. So um, what you're saying is the
1: odds makers are putting out a number, assuming these teams like Tennessee still are good. Correct. You're saying after three weeks, you're looking at the, the three weeks and saying, no, my assessment's different.
0: Yeah, it, it took them until this week to finally adjust uh, New Orleans to admit that they're a good team. They had them down at eighth last week, you know. While they'll still keep a Pittsburgh up top, they'll still keep a New England up top, and, and I think the public's done a good job of seeing this, and that's why they've beaten the books in the pros this
1: year. All right. So what you're saying? All right. So this is the flip side: is the team that though New Orleans did gain. You had them um, actually what about yeah, five we six both weeks did. ago now? as a future bet of Uh 22 to one. They became a darling even before the season started, but now they're ranked, what, fourth this week in the the odds-makers poll? Mm -hmm. So Vegas says this is the fourth best team in football. Finally. Finally, but they were the eighth (laughs) best team in football last week was their assessment. And they're covering the number. So this is an example of what you were talking about in which this is a team that is doing better than expected and the lines-makers are quick to accept
2: that, right? They'll make the adjustments quicker, but they'll still believe in you know the big teams. And one of the games we'll talk about later in the podcast this week is the Sunday night game, the Pittsburgh Steelers in San Diego. The number's still up on on Pittsburgh, and they have underperformed, you know, in their last two games. They've played, you know, they've made mistakes in the fourth quarter, and yet that line opened up, I believe, at five or five and a half, and it's Shot up right to six off. up to six and a half. The public just doesn't want to believe that teams aren't as good as they were last year. Alright, so one of our takeaways for the batters are, and let's make sure we drill down
1: into this, is if there's a team that's legitimately not as good as expected, and that's going to be the distinction, legitimately. So let's just set that aside and forget that distinction just for a minute. If there's a team that is not doing as well as expected, the lines makers are slow to react, thus fading that that team has some value. Now let's talk about the teams that fall in this category and ask ourselves a quick yes or no, and we'll start with you, VR. Are these teams legitimately not playing well? Like Pittsburgh, for example, I'm a huge Steeler fan. I watch every game, every play I try. I think this team uh, is as good as expected entering the year. I think that their injuries on defense and a couple, you know, they could easily be 3-0 and and we wouldn't be having this discussion. Clearly, there's something wrong on D. We've yet to see that. I don't think they're the best team in football. I think they're amongst the top five or six best teams.
0: Yeah, you got to keep them up top. And like you said, it's injuries and things like that that, that has stopped that team from being possibly 3-0. Or well, one injury, Yeah, really. Well, yeah. I
1: mean, because they really haven't had other injuries.
0: So okay, so Pittsburgh, I'm not looking
1: to fade in general, though they're a public darling. So you're usually paying a premium with the Steelers, no matter what. Tennessee, are they? Are, right now, they're considered to be
0: a good team, even at 0 and 3. Is that true or not? I, I don't think they are, RJ. I, I really don't. I, I think Collins's age has really shown. Um, I think their team, if their running game doesn't get 130 yards, they can't win a game. Um, so, I think you definitely have to lower the stock in um, Tennessee.
2: Two points on Tennessee. Uh, they lost the uh, Hainsworth, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, went the to Washington. Stopper. That was a big loss for them. And there's a reason Kerry Collins has bounced all over the NFL. I mean, he's played for how many different teams? He just never has two no good years in a row. You know, and he had a good year last year, and he's just not doing it this year.
1: All right, so for example, and I have the open here, Tennessee is laying one and a half at Jacksonville. So in theory then it's saying four and a half points better Tennessee is is than Jacksonville because Jacksonville should be minus three at home. If it's four-and-a-half-point difference, now that's significant. Now, Houston, Jacksonville was at Houston last last week and only getting four, which means that you're saying Houston is only one point better than Jacksonville entering that game, and you're saying four-and-a-half points better is Tennessee than Jacksonville. So it seems like the makers still really like this team. You guys
0: don't. Yeah, they're not willing to adjust that number enough, I don't think.
1: And that's a potential value. Absolutely. All right, New England is a team that – clearly hasn't played as well as expected. Forget their record for a minute. Their performance, they could have lost to Buffalo easily and be one and two. And this is an example where they opened that number at three against Baltimore and was quickly bet down Down by the wise guys.
0: Uh, and and right, go I'm of the opinion that I think they, they rushed the judgment too much on this New England team. And I think it's based more on how strong Baltimore looks than a so negative when you against they, New England. say the wise guys They're batting. Correct, correct. And where the odds maker has lowered the stock in New England. Um, this line, the future line for this game was seven and a half. Um, so that's a four point so adjustment, you say, five point adjustment. When you
1: say future line, you mean preseason, they had a line
2: on this game right. at seven and a half. That but.
0: you could have bet in August and New England was a seven and a half point favor
2: over Baltimore, who was eleven and five last year, let's not the forget. The point I was gonna put in there is at the beginning of the year, this team was one game, you know, last year, one game from the Super Bowl, Baltimore, yet they came out with the season win total on Baltimore this year of eight and a half. You know, say it, you know, that the public odds makers said that this team wasn't good. Right. They've underestimated Baltimore from the the word go. And that's why they're 3 and 0 against the spread. Yeah. <laughs> and the why
1: but opening uh, the game at New England at minus three saying that these are even teams that, that's not underestimating. Yeah. Now the batters are saying by moving that line that Baltimore is exactly. a better
0: team than New England. Exactly. Because coming off a three is a, big, is a big move. No, that's what the marketplace reflects right now. That's a huge move on such a public game too. You're,
1: you're <laughs> saying, and, and this is the way Marco always says it, is New England just has to win at home. I mean... Exactly. You, as good as – if I recall, Pittsburgh was about pick at New England last year mm-hmm. with Castle late in the season. And so you're saying – and clearly
0: New England came in as the favorite in the NFL. And most people I'm talking to are saying you will not see that three again. It's gone as low as one and a half offshore. Okay.
1: Last – got a minute left. How good is Denver? Because Denver is an example of a team that's doing a lot better than expected. And in theory, that line is supposed to be
0: adjusted quickly, though I'm not so sure. How good is Denver? Uh, Brandon Stokely's catch springboarded this 3-0. I believe that. Um, I think this team's better than anyone believed. Let's not forget this line got steamed, their season total over-under wins. It got steamed to the under by the wise guys. They thought this was going to be a bad team, Denver. Um, and the marketplace, I don't think, has caught up with them being 3-0. I don't think they're a great 3-0 and team, but I-, I think they're better than the marketplace gives them credit for. Look, they're a three-point dog at home. Not an easy place to All win. All right, we're up against
1: it. Good stuff. Next up, we have the big game preview for college football. That's Oklahoma and Miami of Florida. This is segment two of five this week. The subject is big game preview, college football, Oklahoma against Miami of Florida. VR,
0: give us the line report. Uh, Line opened up with uh, Oklahoma as a six-point favorite all the way up to seven, I saw it. Um, Immediately, any six... so... so
1: when you say 6 to 7, it opened about the same time in different places, some places at 6? Yeah, some I, I at various
0: outs offshore opened it at 6, while others um, put it out at 7 as soon as they opened their numbers. Okay. Um, immediately, any 6 that was out there got bet, um, so pretty much went 7 across the board um, since that time. I have seen a couple six and a halves. but any sportsbook that did move it to 7.5 when they got hit, um, immediately went back to seven.
1: All right, so the six and a halves are getting bet up. The seven and a halves are getting bet down. Exactly, Seven's the number. That's the number. I think that's what we'll see Saturday. All right, the key here with our video and audio podcast is betting information. What's the batter going to do? We want to empower him. What's the one factor, Marco, in this game the batter has to consider?
2: Well, for me, in looking at the game, it's Miami of Florida. Which Miami of Florida is coming to Uh, play on Saturday, the one we saw the first two weeks that rolled over uh, Florida State in a thriller on Labor Day weekend or the one that destroyed uh, on Thursday Night Football Georgia Tech. Last week, they played horrible against Virginia Tech and there was reasons for that. So we've seen a lot of good from Miami, one bad game. Yes. The bad last week, they were in a bad scheduling spot, in my opinion. Um, I actually had Virginia Tech as my top play last week, and I was looking at it from the standpoint they finally got their credibility, you know, their legitimacy last week when they beat Georgia Tech on Thursday night football. They were a team that wasn't in the top 25. We're talking about Miami and Florida. Miami and Florida. They weren't in the top 25 to start the season. They had two impressive wins. They finally cracked after the second impressive win. They, they moved all the way up in the rankings, they were in the top 10, and now I like to say this is when a team starts to read their own press clippings. And I think they got a little bit cocky, you know, they're back, I mean, they've been out of the limelight for how many years now, Miami Florida, which used to be one of the perennial powers year in and year out. They went into Virginia Tech, they got drilled. One note though, one of the team strengths to Miami of Florida is their speed. All right, all right,
1: slow down, slow down. Is I've heard a lot of facts. What's the conclusions? so what I'm hearing you say is Miami was in a bad spot last week. They played poorly,
2: but maybe it was deceiving. Maybe they're not as bad as they seemed last week. Maybe that game was the fluke. That's what that's what I'm saying. It, it, I'm a very situational type handicapper. So bad situation last week. They're better than they look. Right. Or they're better than they looked in that
1: one game. In that one game. All right. And we'll get back. And again, we like to go back and forth here. What's the one factor?
0: Uh, myself, I think the, the question we need to ask is about Oklahoma and not Miami. Um, how strong is this Oklahoma team, especially without Bradford at quarterback? Um, according to the odds makers here in town, they made Miami a seven point dog with Bradford playing in the game. Now with Bradford out and Landry Jones, the freshman quarterback, taking right, so, so, over, we're still looking at seven.
1: Let's make sure we understand what we're talking about here. They made a line of seven if Bradford were playing. When was this line made?
0: Uh, the future line. The future line on him. He's And the power rating according to...
1: Well, l- let's talk one thing at a time. So the future line, are we certain of this now? You could have bet Oklahoma minus seven... was a seven-point favorite. In the preseason. That,
0: yeah, according to Ken White, that's what, seven was the number on Oklahoma early that was
1: a future line and now we're saying what's changed from that future line is one we've had a few games to watch each of the teams and now Oklahoma with their Heisman Trophy quarterback is the Heisman Trophy quarterback is out right so so clearly him being out is a negative for Oklahoma so now the question is What would have counteracted that
0: negative enough to keep the line at 7? At where it is. And that's exactly it. I I think this young kid has played well. He he hasn't played on the road yet. Um, Both games that that he did start at home, he put up great statistics. Nine touchdowns, only three interceptions. He's putting up great yardage, good completion percentage. So they're thinking uh, public perception might be the drop-off may not be that huge. Obviously, yeah, Bradford's a Heisman Trophy winner. But this team was a 22-point favorite in game one against BYU a game they lost. Um, So so I think that's why we're still looking at seven. Yeah, well, from
2: what
1: you're saying, again, I think the key to sports betting is, one of the keys, is break down each factor individually and how is that going to affect the line. Because usually a majority of the factors are considered properly. You need to find one factor that is being improperly considered
2: and then you gain a couple points. Simply put, the reason it's still seven is what they lost in losing Bradford Miami has gained in what they've done so far this year. Remember, in the preseason, Miami of Florida wasn't even a top-25 team. So their stock has you know, risen over the course of the season. That's
1: the opposite. Oklahoma is worse without Bradford than we expected them to be early in the season. My, right? Correct. Miami is much better than we expected them to be early in the season. So both of those movements should have made the line go from seven to something low. Right. Which is exactly what you heard the lines maker or the odds maker talk about on the radio yesterday and we were talking about this in prep, is that one of his odds makers in the
0: office, and they collaborated on the lines, had this game with Miami as a slight favor. Uh, uh, Yeah, and said it wouldn't be surprised if more sharps out there had their power ratings showing Miami at a pick'em or even minus one. Without the quarterback, because like we were saying, in in pro maybe a a starting quarterback might be worth three points max, but in the college it could be a touchdown. You know, between the first string and second string quarterback. All
1: right, so let's say for the sake of argument that Bradford's worth three points. I think he's worth more, but let's say three. How many points better is Miami? now than we thought they were early in the the year. At least three points better, right? Right. So that would make a seven-point line Oklahoma minus seven early in the season closer to pick.
0: Exactly. But it's
1: still seven. No, and
0: I thought we'd see a three tops, to be honest with you.
1: All right, so really the question is, and I'll turn to Marco, is you're saying the same thing. Is the one reason maybe the line is seven or higher than we'd expect is that bad performance by Miami on TV just recently in a big game? Though if you add up just the first month of the season, they're clearly better than people thought. What's the case for this line? Be I mean, it seems clear Miami's got great value at plus seven. Is there any case that they that they don't? Or that we're missing
2: something? Well, I think it's an overreaction to one game on Miami because it took so long for them to get recognition this year that now as soon as they had the one bad game, oh, okay, yeah, this is the Miami we've seen in the last few years. The other thing that's being missed here is the backup quarterback that came into Oklahoma. Granted, it was against two patsies, Idaho State in uh, Tulsa last week. They didn't miss a beat. This team put up huge numbers two weeks in a row. And you've got big programs that have star recruits. And so many times, you know, that guy that's sitting on the bench at a big program could start at half the colleges in the country. how many points is Bradford worth to you versus uh, Jones? He's definitely worth uh, at least three points because of experience. But this, this kid has not missed a beat so far. So, But he's worth three points. He's worth three points. And is
1: Miami better right now, even after the bad performance last week? And you were going to make the point real quick and, and, and go ahead about the weather last week also making Miami look worse. Right.
2: Miami is a team built on speed. There was bad weather conditions in a Virginia Tech game at the beginning of the game. That negated the team's speed. That's when Virginia Tech got their lead last week and took control of the game. And then Miami had to play from behind at a big deficit. And with that Virginia Tech defense, when you know that the, you know, they're going to have to throw on you to come back, they're pinning their ears and bringing the pressure at you. All right, so this is simple. We, usually
1: things are complicated. That's why <laughs> sports betting is a challenge. This is simple. Is All rational thought tells us Miami should not be a seven-point dog. They're a seven-point dog because Oklahoma has a big following. It's really that simple. And that means the values on Miami doesn't mean they're going to win, but it probably means they're going to win at least 55% of the time a plus seven that's agreed simple. agreed all right okay so great conversation now we're going to be up next with a two big game previews actually in the nfl first up pittsburgh and san diego for free real-time odds lines and scores visit PregameLines.com. this is segment three of five this week the subject is big game previews in the nfl Pittsburgh Steelers, San Diego Chargers. We have a Pittsburgh authority here, Marco (laughs) D'Angelo. You lived there 50-some years? 46. 46 in Pittsburgh. Been in Vegas now almost two. But first up, every big game that we preview, Vegas
0: runner, give us a line report on the game. Okay, this one opened up offshore last week when the lines first go up for NFL games for the following Sunday. Um, They opened it up, Pittsburgh minus five. And a few offshore books opened them five and a half. So it was anywhere from five to five and a half with the over under 41. By the next morning, you couldn't even find a six. Um, By Monday morning, we were looking at six and a half. Pittsburgh is six and a half point favorite. And the total up to 43. Here in Vegas, they waited to open the total and opened 43 immediately. Um, So the over got action and Pittsburgh got action by the early month. Big action.
1: Because in the NFL, uh, a a one and a half point line move... Is pretty significant. On a big game like this especially. Now not through a key number yet so the right. question is going to be Are we going to get to seven. seven. Alright Marco all joking aside mm-hmm. you have a great handicapping record with Steeler teams you follow them, or Pittsburgh teams follow the Steelers especially closely what is the one factor and we're going to get to more than one but what's the one factor the handicappers out there cannot disregard in this game?
2: Can the Steelers get enough pressure on Rivers without Troy Polamolo in the lineup? Alright Pressure, and because and, and clearly looking at the last two Steeler
1: games, uh, the defense has played very well until the fourth quarter. And speculation with some insiders is they're getting tired. Is it the age? Is the team getting a little bit old? Is it the, the rotations aren't uh, enough people coming in and out?
2: So what's your gut feeling matchup wise? What's happening that the it's not the rotations, it's the fact that the Steeler offense is not having those long sustained drives that they used to have, where they wear the other team down and have their defense on the field. The Steeler defense has been But on did the, the Steelers field. have those drives last year? They they had a lot of those running you know, they had the long sustained drives that they had with you know, the running game hasn't been what it has been in the past four or five years. But last week you saw a life of it with Parker having a good game. But really, if you look at the stats, Ben's having a good year with passing.
1: But what I'm saying is this. I watched every Steeler game last year. They're running better this year. So my question is they won the Super Bowl last year. Their defense was one of the best of all time, literally. This year they're running better. Defense is playing in the fourth quarter, especially not very
2: well. So what's the cause, and what does it mean with are saying Again, Diego? to me, it's the defense is on the field for too many plays. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback, and the reason they're not getting pressure is they're not bringing their blitz packages that they're known for. And I believe that they just don't have enough trust in the secondary to leave people in single coverage without Palomalo in the lineup. And what's happening is they're not getting off the field on third down teams are converting those key third downs and keeping drives alive. I agree. So now the question
1: is San Diego, a team that due to a um, weak schedule was projected to win the most games in the AFC, if I recall correctly, are getting six points, six-and-a-half points at Pittsburgh, three points for home field. So that means we're saying the Steelers are three to three-and-a-half points better. Is there any reason that could possibly be? You told me a lot of negatives about Pittsburgh. The defense just isn't delivering. Against San
2: Diego, how is it going to match up? Well, one thing about that line, you're paying a premium because it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are one of the marquee teams in the NFL. There's certain teams in every sport. The other factor is they're defending Super Bowl champs and they're underachieving and people are perceiving them sitting at 1 and 2 with Baltimore at 3 and 0 oh, this is really a must win game for the Steelers so it's motivation and the premium that's on Pittsburgh all the time absolutely and it might say desperation more than uh, you know if they go down one three, you know, one win, three losses, they're in trouble in this division. Key game. Uh, What's the one fact? I think the initial line move was based strictly on
0: injuries alone. San Diego has, has key injuries. Vincent Jackson, Sean Merriman and Ladanian Tomlinson. That's your three key stars. So I think this move was based on, on, on that alone and not on the marquee name with Pittsburgh because San Diego is just as much and this is like double revenge for them. They lost twice to this team last year. Um, I think the problem with Pittsburgh is, they, they're not getting turnovers this year. They're negative four in turnovers. And nows we're far enough in the NFL season where if you're betting sports, you need to look at the turnover battle. It, it's not by accident that the Giants, Green Bay, and Denver lead the league in the turnover battle. All right. They're all great against the spread. So, again, a lot of good
1: information. What's the one factor? Pittsburgh? Injury? No. What's the factor in the game? That the the handicappers need to consider the most? I think it is. San Diego injuries?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You gotta see if these guys are gonna play. For one and how healthy they are even the quarterback rivers is probable so that means he's banged up a little bit he's not feeling a hundred percent and and now
1: with LT his injury is that the kind of injury because usually those marquee injuries are accounted for but we got some D-line injuries those are the ones usually that aren't as accounted for
0: yeah and the thing is everybody looks at Pittsburgh as a strong defensive team against the rush especially and San Diego hasn't been able to get nothing done against the rush they're one of the worst in the NFL this year year. Um, so, you know, it looks like a, a, a game that Pittsburgh can dominate if they win in the trenches.
2: I know, I'm sorry, go ahead and One factor, too, that nobody's talking about, if you like to look at angles and handicapping, this is a highly motivated revenge game for San Diego. San Diego lost twice to the Steelers last year, the second game being in the playoffs that ended their season. So it, it's a strong motivational edge for the Chargers, playoff revenge. Now, just some stats
1: here real quick. This is interesting you got a, a team Pittsburgh at home that has a real propensity to do the over forty six and twenty towards the over the last sixty six so that 's a wow. really long term strong over and San Diego on the road is eighteen and six towards the over, so you got two over situations. But then you've got, I think, a good point. Steelers are running better this year. You've got a San Diego team that can get overpowered. That's the, probably their weakness. You've got a Pittsburgh defense, which has been tiring. It seems like it's a recipe for Pittsburgh to, gri- to play yeah. an old 2004-type, yeah. 2005-type Steeler game. Can they do it? I don't know. But you've got to think that's going to be their intention.
2: As I said to you guys in, in prep, uh, going way back to the 70s, Chuck Knoll, one of the great Steeler coaches used to have a saying: Whenever they get, had a couple bad games, we're going back to basics. And you know, you might see that uh, in the playbook this week. Uh,
0: they're going to try for sure. You don't want to get into a passing battle with Rivers, um, but I think that the Sharps jumped right on what RJ said right away. The Numbers show that both these teams are in over situations in this game. Yeah, but you know. And they bet over 41 right away. You're doing a great situation,
1: and, and that's interesting the line. Mark. You're doing a great new report at Pregame.com every Monday called True Steam. So you can go there, click the blogs, and you can get the report where you're breaking down all the line moves.
0: Yeah, the, the real moves.
1: And one, the true moves. And one of the things you've been talking about is sometimes the public has a real good feel, or excuse me, the Sharps, the wise guys have a real good feel about which way the public's going to be batting. Correct. So they'll see a number like uh, it opening up at 5, and maybe they like San Diego, but they're figuring... I know the public's going to bet Pittsburgh. I'm going to bet this at five, get this thing up to six, six and a half. Maybe it gets to seven, and then we get to bet San Diego plus seven for maybe double that much. Mm -hmm. So we've got a five and seven middle, and we've got a better number on our strong position. I really wonder, Is we know the Steelers are one of the marquee teams out there that get the most public action, is that line move about
0: taking a position or is it potentially trying to position themselves for a middle I think it's it's more on trying to position themselves like you said they get the best of both numbers in this one where they're gonna get five five and a half on Pittsburgh and hopefully seven on the flip side with San Diego I don't think it, it's a position based on strength where we're gonna lay five and a half we're gonna lay six and we don't care where it goes we're keeping all the liability on last Pittsburgh. comment.
1: To me, whenever I look at a game, I like to say if I move it three points one way and three points the other, does it ever make sense at, at one of those numbers? If it does, you know you have a great bet. If you look at six and a half and say move it to three and a half, I can make the case that Pittsburgh is one notch better than this San Diego True. team and that's it at three and a half. You move it to nine and a half, it's an absurd. That's ridiculous, number. yeah. So to me, clearly, there's a premium on the Steelers that Marco made a point of, and the real value has to be on San Diego unless there's a reason that I'm not seeing. All right, great stuff. Up next is part four of five, another big game preview: Minnesota and the Green Bay Packers, Monday Night Football. For the best deals from Trusted Sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. This is segment four of five. Our second big game preview in the NFL, we're looking at the biggest game of the week, maybe the biggest game of the year so far, Green Bay at Minnesota. All right, straight off, Vegas runner, give us the line and odds report on this game.
0: Line opened up last week uh, for this week's game. They opened it offshore at Minnesota minus three with the over-under at 47. Uh, Immediate money came in on Minnesota and the under. Um, Since that time, we've seen the number move to three and a half. With the total now at 45. Okay, so this is a classic
1: situation. Anyone, in fact, Bill Simmons at ESPN does a fun little podcast where they try to guess the line before they know it. And this is a situation where most people would have guessed a higher line than three, which is where it opened. So
2: Marco, you you have usually have strong theories about this. Hit us. Well, with this line coming out at three, to me, Vegas wants you to bet Minnesota, and why they want you to bet Minnesota is a mystery to me because, to me, there's only one side that the public's going to fall in love with, and that's going to be Minnesota, especially with the Favre hype and what he did last well, well, week. Well, let's
1: think about this. You're saying that three makes you want to bet Minnesota, or, or make? I'm sorry, not you, but most of the public, right. bet Minnesota. And you're saying, why would they want you to bet Minnesota? Well, usually the answer is they want you to bet Minnesota because they like Green Bay even at plus three. Exactly. Okay. So... On one hand, and that's the beauty of sports betting, it's very complicated. There's always a ton of factors. I remember uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh in a championship game last year, and it was clearly, you know, oftentimes you'll see a line that's inflated by one or two points because of a premium on a team like the Steelers. But you still like the Steelers because you think there's a factor even bigger than that. But on one factor here, it looks like Vegas is crying for Minnesota money, and they're getting it. That's my take. Now, what's your take?
0: Yeah, and it seems to me that they are taking a position and saying Green Bay at at, at plus three, they think, is the right side, obviously, for bringing it out that low. Um, my take was it was too low. Based on what we saw, neither team has been tested, um, but uh, put them on an even field, on, on, and you're telling me neutral field, and it's a pick 'em game. I don't think so. I think what we've seen so far this year, Minnesota has shown to be the better of the two teams. They're three and zero. Green Bay's two and one. Green Bay's done that by being plus eight in turnovers. Um, so I was a little surprised by seeing the line come out that low, and it gave me the same feeling. It gave Marco. Are they taking a position on this? And even if, let's say,
1: I I would tend to disagree with the following. I think if you look at Green Bay, this season three games and Minnesota three games they played about equally well to me and what's interesting is how different this conversation may be how different public perception would be if one Favre desperation pass hadn't been completed now because he did play a poor game we were watching the Steeler game together and you were you had uh, you know you were
2: following the Minnesota game and you were saying oh my god has Favre played bad it's dink and dunk. That's what he's doing all season. The guy doesn't go downfield. If he gets a big gain, it's, it's a seven or eight yard screen pass or crossing pattern that turns into a big play. They're not hitting the big plays downfield. And I just, I'm not impressed with Favre so far this year. Impressed with that one play. You know what, what's lost there is, yeah, he threw a pass. The catch was more impressive than the throw. <laughs> yeah, still, that's, still, you know, eh, Barb, you you're drinking a, the Chuck-a-Luck Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: I, I, I'm not, again, I think, to, well, it kind of segues to the key point or one of the key points of this game, and I'll mm. open the question up for you guys. Favre, if he plays within himself, when you add in what he brings to the huddle, what he brings sure. to the locker room, the confidence of the young, with the young players, if he plays within himself, he's certainly a top 15 quarterback in the league. If he tries to do more than he's capable of at this age, he can be a real detriment. Question is, so far this season, he stayed within himself.
0: Can he stay within himself against Green Bay? I don't think so. Um, I I think they, they have a better shot when they travel to Green Bay than here at home. I think that's the game he really came back for, and I think that's the game that the Green Bay players will have too much pressure on themselves to perform, too much pressure on Rodgers to get that win for the Green Bay fans. I think traveling to Minnesota... They're relaxed. All the pressure is now on Favre and the Minnesota Vikings. They're supposed to win this game. He's supposed to get revenge on his team. This is why he came back to shine on Monday night. Favre's going to try to do too much, throw four picks.
1: This might be out of nowhere, and Marco. (laughs) Give me just one sec. If I'm not a big halftime player, but if Minnesota's down by like 10 or so and Favre's going to have to (laughs) come up and save the day, I'd be looking to fade Minnesota hard in the second half. If, you know, So to me, if Minnesota falls behind, oh. I think it could be a blowout <laughs> on the Green Bay side.
2: I agree. Um, just one quick reference, so our viewers, if they're wondering what the Chuck-a-Luck reference is, one of our long-term, long-term posters on the forums, Chuck-a-Luck, is a big Brett Favre fan, and he started a big thread this week after uh, Brett Favre had that miracle pass but really in all actuality that could have been the worst thing that happened to Minnesota because now he's gonna get that gunslinger mentality back that you know that he used to do where he thinks he could put a ball you know into a small hole and, and that can spell turnovers and one factor in this game that's lost is everybody's you know in love with Farvin revenge for the way Green Bay sent him out of the city and so forth let's not forget Aaron Rodgers is on the other side of the field. And this guy has had to live in the Brett Favre shadow for the last three years. You know, he's got his chance. Check (laughs) it fiddle. Is that pressure? It's not. I always like the underdog. I think that when you've got something to prove and you're the one that's getting disrespected, you've got more motivation than the guy that's on top trying to stay there. And I think you're going to see a heck of a game out of Aaron Rodgers on Monday.
1: Okay, so 15-5 and five on the road, ATS, Green Bay. So we've got a team that plays well on the road. Has won uh, the series, Recently. Too. And I, I think you guys make an interesting point, is 3-0 versus 2-1. So Minnesota generally there would be favored. The Metrodome with... Um, They're still in the Metrodome, right?
2: Yeah. Hubert, Humphrey. The way they change them every couple weeks Yeah, I was just thinking for a 2nd
1: bankrupt these companies. (laughs) 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 A little dig at VR made a mistake a couple weeks ago. But uh, that's why we're here to help each other with the mistakes. Because we're, you know, they're, they're... everyone's gonna make mistakes that's the beauty of having a collective we got three guys here catching each other's missteps and when you know all three of us agree you figure something really uh... there's probably a a key point there being made and uh... speaking of that you made a good point about the forums is uh... you can go to pregame.com and click forums and there's hundreds of sports bettors talking sports betting all the time really cool so you've got Minnesota, 3-0. You've got Favre, uh, the marquee player in the league right now. You've got a Green Bay team that is not playing up to expectation, getting beat by Cincinnati. (laughs) Is The idea of the line coming out of three, it really does make you think that they wanted that action on Minnesota. And if so, if you are a contrarian, Green Bay looks like the right side.
0: Yeah, for contrarian players, this will be a huge play on Monday night. All right, we got one minute. VR, give me another fact in this game we should be thinking about. The total. um, It opened 47, went down to 45. Very surprising to me because usually the betting public bets the Monday night games over. We know that going in, and it's cashed a lot of tickets the last two years. But this, the Wise Guys jumped under right away. More surprising. I thought they'd let the line go up, especially when you see how these... Two teams put up points. So in theory, week this if, you, year. if
1: you like under Monday night, typically you're going to wait until yeah, Monday exactly. that the public bat the game up. So they must have thought this that a was a real bad, number. a real bad, and that's let's let's allow that to be a great take. So we, so real quick, great takeaway is. When you see, we talk about true steam, and you're doing a true steam report every Monday where you break down the steam mm-hmm. at, at, in the blog section of pregame.com, is we see a situation where typically they'd wait to the end. They're betting now. They're in a rush to
2: make that bet. Do you like the under here? They set the line too high based on the perception it's going to be a shootout, Rodgers versus Favre. I and mean, the Sharps, they got the number they wanted. They grabbed it now. They didn't wait.
1: All right, good stuff. Okay, this was segment four, and segment five is coming up, and it's many people's favorite segment. It's the free pick segment this week. This is the fifth and final segment for this week, free picks, some people's favorite segment
0: of the week. Okay, let's get right into it. Vegas runner, give us a free pick. I'm going to go to the NFL where I've been doing really well this year, and I'm actually hoping this becomes one of my best bets come Sunday. I'm going to touch on the Baltimore New England game. This line opened at three, even as high as three and a half at the Hilton. It's been bet down um, to two. So uh, sharp players, early money took Baltimore. I I think that's the wrong siding. Usually, I, I agree with the sharp money. Um, I just think they're they're giving too much respect to Baltimore. The adjustments too quick. They're three and zero against the spread. Three and you make a good up.
1: point. Is when you say adjustment, this is a team now. Uh, Even before last week, uh, can't remember if it was before last week or not. But they were ranked number one right now in the ESPN Power Rankings. See, all right. So right now they're saying this is the best team in football. A couple weeks ago, before the season started, their win totals were eight and a half, half, right around there. Exactly. So they expected this team to have a almost a fifty percent chance to win either eight or nine games was
0: was their best projection now they're the best team in football all of a sudden we've already crowned them super bowl champs um, or at least the afc representative and i just don't see it this team scored 30 plus points three weeks in a row uh historically that has not been good for a team against the spread that fourth week Um, I think New England's in a great spot here. I like the way they beat Atlanta, so they're having a good week this week. Um, No one's pointing fingers at each other. And this is the time that Belichick could show we're still the elite of the AFC. And I think giving them time to prepare, Baltimore's going to be in for some trouble this weekend. A couple
1: quick questions. What percentage is Brady compared to 2007?
0: I think now uh, he claims that he's not afraid of the knee. I think it's just human nature, you're gonna be. Uh, I don't think he's at 100%, I'd say uh, less than 100, yeah, about 90, 95. Okay, and
1: second question is the line's moving down. Do you see it continuing to move down, or when the public really steps in Saturday and Sunday? They're going to be playing New England. What do you see? Uh,
0: no, I see the public continuing to bet Baltimore. I see the public betting Baltimore on the money line. Um, in fact, I think this line's going to drop a lot. People are think, From what I'm hearing, they don't even need points in this game. Uh, remember, New England's 1-2 against the spread, so if people haven't won money back in this team this year. Um, so you're saying wait and bet this late Sunday. Absolutely. Wait and get the best number. I'm thinking you might even find a 1 by kickoff. I've seen 1.5 already.
2: Any quick observations on this game? The quick thing is with the line, it won't go back up because they don't want to have teaser situations where Baltimore is going to be getting 9 or 10 points. So you're not going to have it go back close to 3. I see it closing 1.5.
0: Yeah, right around there.
1: All right, Marco, before we get your free pick, we give away money each week on the podcast. Tell us about it. And
2: whose money we give away? We give away my money. I love giving away your money. (laughs) This week, we talked in our first segment about parity in the NFL, so we're going to make this week's coupon parity 10 just spell the word parody in the number 10. How do you spell parody? P-A-R-I-T-Y Did you number 10? Did you do a spell check on that? Uh, It came up okay sir yes. Party first. (laughs) So all one word all one word parody, and then 10 all one word. And you get 10 bucks off anything you want to buy and yes if it's ten dollars or less it's free. Absolutely free. All right, gives you a chance. Remember,
1: you go to pregamepros.com. A lot of great stuff from Vegas runner Marco. Now, who's especially
2: hot right there? Good fellow. Good 16-4 and four with his last 20 uh, football picks. Hats off to him. He's our featured capper of the week. And- now, he's also,
1: that's a great, you know, there's short-term hot streaks, and a lot of people believe in betting those. There's long-term hot streaks, which I like even that's better.
0: That's what I prefer. Yeah,
1: I like <laughs> it long-term. Um, but, you know, sometimes that guy can get really hot and just get in the zone. Yeah, and, that and that's what it is. He's in the
2: zone, but he's a grinder. Well,
1: uh, that's the point. His H, form is a grinder. Eight straight winning boy. months but, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. leading up to September is my, right. my understanding. And with the month he's had, he's got to have a winning month here in September as well. So he's looking at nine for nine. Okay, so what's your free pick? Well, we're going to go back to a little old school. Last year in a podcast, I used to have a very popular play. It was my stench game of the week. It was an ugly duckling play. And we're going to bring it out. We're 4-1 with our last five free picks. And, guys, hold so on. How bad is this one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> let's, think, let's just jump back. For you consistent listeners, Marco and I had a disagreement last week. He liked Tennessee. Now, a lot of people wouldn't fade a guy that had won a four straight. But I'm fearless with that kind of stuff. Marco won four straight, and unfortunately when he bucked me. Who had in, come off two back-to-back games of the two year I'm 2-0 on the, I'm
0: perfect. Back-to-back back game of the year winners. You could say
1: 2-0 or just perfect. Yeah, perfect. I prefer
0: perfect.
2: You're perfect.
0: <laughs> All right, go ahead, though.
2: Four <laughs> and one. Okay. Uh, thanks for that little plug there. Uh, we're going to go to the Cleveland Browns. And, and I know you, you can smell it already. What am I doing? Folks, when you're playing sports, what you're looking for as a handicapper is you're looking for edges you're looking just like playing the stock market you want to buy low sell high right now the stock on Cleveland couldn't be any lower than it is the teams in total disarray 0-3 they're switching quarterbacks that's what the public perceives but if you drill down deeper Cleveland is 0-3 the three teams they've played they're 9-0 they have not lost a game their opponents yet this year Cincinnati's coming off a huge win over the Steelers last week and in a horrible situation scheduling-wise. They played Pittsburgh last week, and they got Baltimore next week. This is what we call old school. This is a sandwich game. Cleveland not only is going to cover on Sunday, they're going to win the game outright. Are you now you're playing that we're lying, You're seeing what four and a half right now. Five Browns? and a half. Five. Five and a half, and this line could climb to six. I, I don't so think wait until Sunday. Wait, this line's not going to go anywhere but up. All right, so here's my thinking. I agree with Marco. Bengals overrated right
1: now, or at least they're highly regarded. Oh, two hop wins, two big highly wins. regarded for sure. What concerns me is there's two kinds of losing teams. One are teams that just randomly. Are, Pittsburgh's one and two. They're they're losing right now. But this is a team that's playing well, you have no doubt they're together mentally, they're into things, there's no disruption, it's just they're one and two. I look at Cleveland, and again, I'm just going by the reports, this team it's is their right. thing of firing genie yeah. already. So the question is, all these NFL teams are about the same talent-wise now it becomes about motivation is this team motivated are you concerned because my first concern is you might be batting a sinking ship here now you always want to bat the stinkiest teams if there's not something fundamentally wrong with them so is
2: there something fundamentally wrong with cleveland in your mind in my mind it's too early in the season to put a fork in any team so you're saying the schedule makers just did them no favors they played Minnesota and Baltimore, right, who are right, right. two good undefeated teams. But what about teams? the
1: team dissension? I understand
2: what we're that that zero three might be deceiving here, but are you concerned about team dissension? I'm not concerned about it yet. If they go in, the, you know, this week changing quarterbacks, going back to Anderson, they're going to a veteran who was in the Pro Bowl just two years ago, sure. remember. Sure. They, that's going to give them a little bit of stability, you know, with a leader calling the signals. I look for a good game from them this week.
0: You uh, being from the, the Pittsburgh, Ohio area, so it is, they will look ahead to Baltimore, even though it's a inner city, inner Whatever state rivalry, because, they don't care. Cleveland is because of their, the division. It's they're, not one of their rivals. They're two. Rivals. They're
2: two and one. Cincinnati, we're speaking two and Correct. one, going in to play Baltimore. That's the, the division game they're looking at for the division lead, and they beat the they beat the King. They beat right, the Steelers. Right. So it, you, you, who are you? It is a look sandwich into? spot for sure. Right. Right. All right. I can give. I'm
1: actually going with my third free pick of the year. Did I tell you I was two and out? Oh? Going, putting the perfection uh, on the line. This is simple. Take the <laughs> simple. Denver Broncos plus three. It, it's simple. Actually, Marco disagrees with me here. So. And uh,
2: you know, we can save the juice. You want to go for a hundred uh, on air? A hundred. Want to go for five? Ooh! <laughs> really? All right. So.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh <laughs> huh. I'm just trying to think. All right, let's do. I'll do a nickel.
2: Okay. We're All right. On. So I got Denver plus three. You we'll, got Denver Nick. plus three. I got Dallas minus right, three. I booked
1: this
0: and make fifty bucks.
1: Uh, no. No, we're, we're saving the juice. <laughs> All right. Here's the rationale. Dallas hasn't shown anything yet. Denver might not be as good as three and zero, but this team's excited right now at home. Mau High still has. They're still Mile High, right? Uh, no, it's Quest. They, no, it's a, oh, they they, change they change. a. Change. Yeah, they changed the name. All right, I, I that's know a that running much. joke with you, that DR. Quest mm-hmm. That's
0: Seattle Quest.
1: We, <laughs> it's team. It, it's just too much value. It should be a pick em game. Okay, great stuff. That was our fifth segment. Now, we'll be back next week. We're here every week. And remember, you can get all of our videos at pregame.tv, or if you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. <laughs>